if you're a Christian here tonight, you're gonna totally identify with, with what I say. And if you're not a Christian, you, you got, just, just trust me, all right? Um, I remember when I prayed to receive Christ. It was May 27th, 1990, at a six o'clock service at Brushy Creek Baptist Church in Easley, South Carolina. And I, I remember it very well because after I prayed to receive Christ, the next day I woke up and I, I, felt, um, I felt saved. I just felt great. I just felt awesome. I was like, man, I'm a, I'm a Christian and I, I feel good. I feel saved. And then Tuesday I felt saved. Um, and you, you know what I'm talking about when you just wake up and you feel saved, you feel, you feel like you're a Christian, you, you feel like things are good, you've got peace in your life. And it was that way for like a, about a week or so. And then one morning I woke up and I wasn't feeling it. Has, has that ever happened to, to anybody in the room? You just kind of woke up and you're just not, not feeling saved. And I'm not talking about because of what you did the night before. I'm, I'm talking about like you legitimately are confused because you're like, well, nothing's changed in my life, but I don't feel, feel really close to God. And, and so you try to figure that out. Well, I went to a, well, once again, I went to a great church with some great people, but a couple of the people that were influential in my life um, had a few messed up ideas so I went to this one guy and I was like, listen, this is what's going on. I kind of walked him through my situation. He goes, oh, well, there's um, obviously some unconfessed sin in your life. And if you'll just confess all your sins, um, you'll get past it. And I was like, I really think I've confessed just about everything. I mean, I can make some stuff up, but like, I, I think I've confessed everything. And he said, no, there's unconfessed sin. So I went home and I tried to think of every sin that I had ever committed and, and stuff that maybe was kind of a, I don't know, I just confessed it all, woke up the next day, stuck. So I go back to my, my mentor, friend, whatever, and I told him what was going on. He goes, well, you just, you probably just need to pray and read your Bible more. And my problem was I was reading my Bible, but I wasn't getting anything out of it. So I was like, well, maybe I'll just go read Leviticus. Maybe that's what you do. You just dive into the hard stuff and figure out what happened to goat in Leviticus and you're all good. That wasn't working. And it felt like, I don't know if you ever felt like this, my prayers were hitting the ceiling. Like I would pray something and it was like, I didn't feel, I, I did not feel saved. I did not think. And so I started doubting. I started doubting my salvation. I started doubt. I was like, is this Jesus thing even real? Did they, did they, is this like some telemarketing thing that they hooked me into? And if, if you've been a Christian for more than about five minutes, you've, you've probably either gone through the same thing or, or you're going through the same thing. Maybe you're watching online tonight and, and you're going through the very thing that I just talked about. One of the things I love about the Bible is how real and raw it is. Now, we don't hear about the real raw parts because if you grew up in church, there's certain stories that your pastor did not preach about because it would have made things highly uncomfortable and everybody would have been like, ugh. And, and I've had people push back going, there's not a story in the Bible that would have made me feel uncomfortable. Oh yeah? What about when David had to go get a hundred Philistine foreskins for his bride. Anybody got that verse on a coffee mug? Some of you don't know what I just talked about. Cole would love to talk to you immediately following the message. He would love to explain what that's all about because he is our resident theologian. If the Bible were made into a full-length movie, you wouldn't take your kids to see it because it would be NC-17. And some people are like, not my Bible. Genesis 6, God kills everybody. That's a horrible scene, okay? So tonight, the reason I bring it up is because I'm going to walk you through a passage of Scripture that's written by a man in the book of Psalms under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And if, if you've ever felt stuck... If you've ever felt uncertain, if you've ever questioned your own salvation or questioned your own spiritual walk with God, this particular text is going to stand out to you and you're not going to feel so weird. And I don't care how long you've been going to church, you've probably never heard this text talk. It's the first time I've ever preached on it because it's, it's real. It's raw. Let's go. Psalm 
77, verse 1. I cry out to you. I cry out to God. Yes, I shout. <laughs> Charismatic. Oh, that God would listen to me. Now, anytime we read scripture, I always want to pause and point this out. We got to notice the, the punctuation. So there's an exclamation point here. So when he's saying this, he's not saying it in Christianese. I cry out to you. Yeah, he is shouting this at God. You ever shouted at God? I have. Let's keep reading. When I was in deep trouble, I love that he put that in there, deep trouble. Not trouble like they messed up my drink at Starbucks trouble, like, but like deep trouble. I searched for the Lord. Now check this out. All night long, I prayed. So he's got me right there because I've never prayed all night long. I've, I've never prayed. Some of you have. You're way God. I can't pray that long. I can't pray for more than five minutes, right? All night with hands lifted toward heaven. Now, I'm just going to kind of throw this out there. If I, if I know somebody that prayed all night long with their hands lifted, I'm thinking they probably got their prayer answered because that's legit. Would you admit that? That's legit. But, but my soul was not comforted. In other words, this guy is saying, I prayed all night with my hands lifted. I didn't get a thing out of it. You ever felt like that? Some of you are like, this is really depressing. It gets worse before it gets better. I think of God and I moan. That's, once again, that's not a t-shirt verse. In church, we're, we're taught, I think of God and I'm happy. I think of God and I think of unicorns and rainbows. And he goes, I think of God and I'm like, ah. Oh. In other words, he's getting frustrated in his walk with God. Overwhelmed with longing for his help. God, would you just help me out? And then he goes on to say this. You don't let me sleep. I am too distressed to even pray. This is, you ever heard of this? This is, don't worry, we got like 15 verses of it. Here we go. I think of the good old days, long since ended, when my nights were filled with joyful songs. I search my soul and ponder the difference now. In other words, he's saying, I can't figure out what the difference is. I can't, like if I had sinned or if I had slipped or if I had done a bunch of stuff that I wasn't supposed to do, then I could figure, but he said, I can't figure out what the difference is between when I could sing joyfully and now I can't sing at all. I need to know what's going on. And then, and then he asked six questions. There's six questions in this text. And Asking these particular questions in a lot of churches will get you kicked out. I'm just being honest because it's, it's real. It's raw. This is what he said. Has the Lord rejected me forever? Will he never again be kind to me? Is his unfailing love gone forever? Have his promises permanently failed? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he slammed the door on his compassion? Is he spiritually frustrated, yes or no? Yes. Then he said this, and this is, this is what got me. And I said, this is my fate. The Most High has turned his hand against me. In other words, God, God hates me. God must just hate me. God's finished with me. My spiritual journey, my best days are behind me. Nothing will ever be good again. Now, if I said, let's pray and go home, this will be the most depressing message you ever sat through. But there's a shift. There's a miracle. There's something that happens in the text. And in a casual reading, we can miss it. And the reason I say in a casual reading, we can miss it is because I've read the book of Psalms like 40 or 50 times and I've never seen what I'm about to share with you right now. It blew my mind because there's a miracle in the text. But the miracle isn't that God changes his circumstances. Watch what happens. But then I recall all you have done, O Lord. I, let's say this word on three, one, two, three, remember. See, some of y'all like, I, that's what's on your shirt. That's what you're, you, yes, exactly. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. Don't miss this. He said, so, something happened. 
there's a shift. And he stopped thinking about how bad his circumstances were. And he said, you know what? God, I'm just going to, I'm going to think about how good you were in the past. I'm going to think about that time where I needed provision and you provided. I'm going to think about that time where I needed healing and you healed me. I'm going to think about that time when I was in darkness and you brought me into light. I'm going to think about that time, God, when I needed a way to be made and you're a way maker and you made a way when nobody else saw a way. So I'm going to think about those things. Don't miss this. This was the miracle. God did not change his circumstances. God changed his perspective. Sometimes the biggest miracle is not God changing everything around us. It's God helping us change our minds. He, he said, I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. In other words, God, I'm, I'm switching my thought life around. I'm not going to think about all the bad stuff. I'm going to think about all the good stuff you've done. Because here's what can happen. We live in a world that constantly focuses on the negativity and the bad thing. Like, for example, you let one airplane crash, one airplane crash, and every media outlet is on there going, where was God? Where was God? Where was God? Never stopping to thank him for the millions of safe landings that happen across the world every single day. So it's a little bit confusing so we got to focus, if we, can't, if we can't find anything now that God has done that is good for us, focus on what God has done for us, how faithful he has been. Every once in a while you find that one, okay, God help us. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. Then he says this, oh God, your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? This is the same person. He's writing it out, and as he's writing it out, God changes his mind, and he goes from spiritually down to spirit, just with a changing of his mind. And then he says this, you are the God of great wonders. <laughs> he goes from, where are you, to you are the God of great wonders. This is like the bipolar passage. He goes, he's all over the place. But when God changes his mind, this is where he winds up. You demonstrate your awesome power among the nations. By your strong arm, you redeem your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. God took this guy, and the miracle was that God changed his mind and caused him to remember how faithful he had been. Now, there's a reason I'll bring that up. Number one is because I want for all of us as we're leaving tonight or maybe during the service to stop and think about how faithful God has been to you at some point in your past. But also to acknowledge that when you get caught up in the moment and there's a real problem or a real situation, you tend to freak out just a little bit. Anybody with me on this? Anybody with me? Okay, let me tell you what I'm freaking out about right now. We're out of room. Now y'all are at five o'clock looking around going, um, we got some. If, if everybody in this room right here would have shown up at either 9.15 or 11 o'clock this morning, we would have had to turn people away. Now, that's awesome, except for the fact that we just got here <laughs> and we've outgrown the, the service. And for somebody like me, which we'll talk more about it next week, but I'm all about reaching as many people as possible with the message of the gospel, the good news. I think more people meeting Jesus is actually a good thing, not just for the community, but the state, nation, and the world ultimately. And so I'm all about reaching people for Jesus. But, but you can ask the staff, last, last week I showed up and I was just a little, I was, I was kind of a little twitchy because, because we're out of room and, and what do we do? The statistics say that once you're 80% full, you're full. So I said that this morning at 9.15 and 11, we're, we're packed out. And people are looking going, I'm going to cheer beside me. And I'm thinking, do you want somebody you don't know to sit right there? Nope. Not unless you're like a super extrovert and that God help us because, that, yeah, yeah, whew, anyway, another message, another time. So for me, I'm like, okay, God, what are you doing? Why'd you bring us to this place? We're full. What are we supposed to do? I, and I'm starting to freak out. And then God 
just tells me, hey, man, think about what I've done. Think about how faithful I've been. So what I want to do for the next couple minutes, and I'll wrap up with three really quick points because I've got some Baptist in me. What I want to do is I want us to take a, to take a journey and remember what God has done in our church. I think one of the biggest mistakes that a person can make is forgetting what God has done in the past. One of the greatest mistakes a church can make is we stop telling the story of the faithfulness of God. One of the mistakes the Israelites made is they stopped telling the story of the manna and the water from the rock and the crossing of the... They stopped telling the story, and when we stop telling the story, we lose sight of the miracles. And when we stop telling the story, we lose sight that there's a future ahead of us that's greater than anything we could ever ask for or imagine. So can I talk about the story for a few minutes? I'm going to do it anyway, no matter what you say. So let's go all the way back to 1996. I was the associate pastor at North Anderson Baptist Church just right down the road. Bill Rigsby was my pastor and my boss, and I worked with him for six years, and God blessed that man for not firing me because I gave him plenty of reasons to do so. And then I was going to, I was going to cemetery, seminary, and, and I went, I, I drove to Charlotte, and I would, that's where my, my class was, and I was taking a class on apologetics. Now, apologetics is defense of the Christian faith. Basically, they teach you how to argue with non-Christians. And I was like, man, I'm all about some arguing with some non-Christians. I'm all about it. So I'm sitting in class, and I got my little laptop. Now, here's what you need to know. Somebody at the church gave me a laptop, and everybody made fun of me when I brought my little laptop into the class because none of them had laptops. And I had a laptop, and they were oh, computer boy, you got a laptop. And I said, ha, ha, ha. And then when it came exam time, they all wanted a copy of my notes. I said, all y'all pastors? All y'all pastors, right? They said, yeah. I said, I'm going to teach y'all. Y'all better take an offering for these notes. So I, I, taught, I, I got them to tithe to me. So anyway, I, I got some money out of it. But he said, he said in that class, he said, tonight I'm going to teach you the most effective form of evangelism in the world. Now that called my attention because I wanted to be an evangelist because I didn't think I could be a pastor. I didn't think I could do this. I, evangelists, they just travel and they tell people about Jesus and people get saved and then they just move on to another church. And I'm, listen, I'm still an addict. I'm just addicted to changed lives. I love seeing Jesus change people's life. So I'm like, most effective form of evangelism in the world, let's go! I was saying it before it was popular. So, I, I, but I didn't say it out loud. I said it inside because it was a Baptist seminary and they didn't yell. He said the most effective form of evangelism in the world is church planting. Terry, you have a question? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I got a question. This really happened. I said, what is, I, I didn't know. I said, what is church planting? He said, it's when you start a church. I said, why would you do that? I said, I drove from Anderson to Charlotte. I passed approximately 2,872,000 churches on the way here that are, listen, none of them are having parking problems or attendance problems. Why don't you just go into one of those churches and just help them out? And he looked at me and he said, it's easier to give birth to a baby than it is to resurrect the dead. Right. Oh. Typing that out. I'm a buddy, you getting that? Not for you. Anyway, so that, 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 I always give him credit for wrecking my life because that's all I could think of from that point out is planning a church. And in 1999, 2000, I did. I, I started a church. You may have heard of it. And, and listen, all I've got to say is that was those 15 to 16 years were some of the greatest times of my life. I will never ever speak negatively or discount the miracles that I saw Jesus do during that time period. The miracles that he, by his grace, allowed me to participate in. And many of you got to participate in those miracles as well. So I don't have anything negative to say about that time. In fact, that was an amazing time where God taught me a whole lot about him and about church. And, 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 then, and, then, and then I got fired. I did. And listen, I'm always going to own my part. I'm always going to own my part. I am not a victim. I'm telling you, I got fired. I drank too much. I did. I drank way too much, and I got fired, 
And my thing was that I didn't, I didn't necessarily think I was done with the church. I just thought the church was done with me because I had seen what happened to pastors. It's, it's like once a pastor gets fired, he disappears and nobody knows. There's like this abyss and I just kept thinking they're going to come get me. I don't know who they are, but they're going to come get me. So I went to rehab, got out of rehab, came back and I didn't know what I was going to do. So I started a company called The Growth Company and um, it, we were helping businesses and church grow. When I say me, it was me and the guy in the mirror. Um, and so I would get up and I, would try, I was traveling and, and tried to consult with churches. And this is what I, I discovered. I still love the church. I still believe in the church. I think that the local church is the, has the greatest potential and power to change a community than any other organization in the world. When the excluded get included, when the lost get found, when found people get grown up, when people, when you see addictions get snapped, when you see the chains of shame snap and people set free, that changes a community. And I still absolutely love the local church, but I couldn't tell anybody because I couldn't pastor again. So I was consulting. I'd tell the church, this is what I think you should do. And they wouldn't do it, but they would pay me, so that was good. And then I flew over to UK and hung out with Gary and Heather Snowzel. You, some of you saw them this past summer. They were on stage. It's cool, talking British accent. And, and I was doing an event with them. And we, after we finished up this event, Gary, the senior pastor, he said, um, P, would you, would you come in here and meet with me and my leadership team real quick? And I'm thinking... The last time I met with a church leadership team, it, it sucks. I was like, you know what the heck? I, I give, I, they can't fire me from anything, so let's just go. And I got in there, and have you ever been called out spiritually? Like somebody just called you out, and they said, has God put it in your heart to start a church? And I was, I started sweating. I got uncomfortable. You ever done that thing where you're like, I don't see what happened was, um, see, I didn't tell them that about a month before I got on the plane to fly over, I sat in this parking lot and prayed over this building. I didn't tell them that. They, 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 I don't know how they knew. And so I said, well, I mean, I've, I kind of thought about it. And then one of the leadership guys named Chris said, you need to do it. God wants you to do it. Let me tell you how you need to do it. You need to start it online. I said, huh? He says, just go online. Think about it. No staff, no overhead, just you and a camera. I was like, man, that's awesome. And I walked out of that room going, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> no, wonder, no wonder we beat them twice in a war because they can't, they can't even figure this out. But after I left, isn't it funny how sometimes God sometimes just wrecks you and then sometimes he just chips away? And I couldn't, I couldn't shake that idea. So finally, I was just like, all right, God, all right, God, finally, I'll, I'll start the church officially. I'll get a name and I'll get a website. And that's what we did. We got a name and we got a website. And I was like, woohoo! And I got to start online, got to start online, got to start online. So in November, I flew back over to the UK to do another event. Anybody want to guess who picked me up at the airport? Chris, Mr. Are You Gonna Start It Online? It's a two-hour drive from London to Harryford. Guess what we talked about the entire time? God was like, oh, yeah, you're going to run. Okay, okay, Jonah. I'm going to put you in, not in the belly of a whale, I'm going to put you in a car with Chris. And Chris is persistent. This is, this is what you got to do. And I was like, fine, I'll do it. So I came back and in December 3rd, 2017, Second Chance had our first service. This was our sanctuary. <laughs> I, I propped the camera up on this bookshelf. I didn't have any like, like little stands or tripods or anything like that. I literally propped the camera up and prayed that it wouldn't fall. And I propped the camera up right there. And then December 3rd, 2017, I preached the first message. Some of y'all watched it. And then after the message, I read through every comment and blocked around 200 people. <laughs> You're a heretic. I was like, I know. This is crazy. You're, 
So, so that, and I preached in that living room for a few weeks, and then I moved downtown to an apartment, and I preached out of it. And then, and then one, in one week, listen, in one week, for one week only, we were the fastest growing church in the United States of America. You know why? Because we went from this to this. Like, look at all those people. Didn't even have room for them, ran out of coffee. I invited about 10 to 15 people to come sit in a room for, for me to pre, just be in the room. And, and listen, I told them, here's the rule. Don't invite anybody else because I was scared. I was insecure. I wasn't sure that this thing was going to make it. And I preached to that group of people for over a year. I love it when people go, You're, yeah, I, listen, I, and I, it, it wasn't like music. It was Ed <laughs> giving me the countdown. Five, four. What's up, y'all? How you doing? That was it. Some of you remember. You watched online. And we were getting this question. When are y'all getting a building? When are y'all getting a building? When are y'all getting a building? Well, we, about June or July, liquor store. Now, when I say the liquor store, I need to explain. <laughs> There's a church where we used to meet in our first building. It was a church before we met there. And after we left, it's now a liquor store. So... Before it was set up for the Baptists, and now it's set up for the Presbyterians. All right, so, <laughs> so, so I, the pastor of that church reached out. His name is Pastor Lenny Gaines. He he pastors Powerhouse. He, he's a he's a great man, and he said, "Hey man, we're we're gonna we're gonna be leaving this this church." And I he said, "I thought about you, and I thought maybe that you would want to come here and start your church." And I was like, "No, thank you." And God wouldn't let it go. So I drove down, I looked at the building, I was like, man, I don't know, I don't know. I said, all right, God, you ever made a deal with God? I said, God, here's the deal. I would get a contractor to come in here and look. Got a contractor to come in there and look, he, and I said, what do you think? He said, man, this place needs some, it needs some help. It needs a facelift. I said, how much are we talking on the facelift? He ran some numbers, came back, it was about half a million dollars. I was like, all right. Well, we got 250000 saved, like in the bank, like just saved. It's there. And we need to raise two hundred. So I told God, I said, all right, God, if we can raise $250,000, we'll, we'll do it. And we got creative. We did our very first capital campaign. It's called We Need $250,000. <laughs> Y'all remember it? It took about three months, and we raised it. So, so this is one of my favorite pictures because we, the banner changed. But I, the reason I love this picture so much, I still got it on my phone, is because there's a construction bin outside, and it reminds me that people at Second Chance are always under construction. Like God's always building something. He's always doing something. And so, so, so we, we started building. And then, and then January, January of, of 2019, we had our first service, and it was packed. We had to turn people away. We had two services. We had to turn people away. Now, let me tell you what was frustrating about it. Six months, seven months, eight months later, I was running into people. One day, I was in the gym. I'm going to confess this. And I was not in a good mood. I was in a, Have you ever just been sassy? You just woke up sassy going, somebody's going to get it today. That's how I woke up. I got to the gym. I got done with my workout. I'm sitting there just sweating. Guy walks in and goes, Pass P. Sweating from your workout? And I wanted to say, nope. Took a shower with my clothes on. <laughs> Here's your sign. I mean, that's what I wanted to do with all my heart. But I was like, no, nah, man, I worked out. He goes, yeah, how's the church doing? I was like, man, we're doing pretty good. He goes, yeah, I came, I came one time and got turned away. And I, I, just, I just lost it. We're, we're going to call him Frank because I called him by his name. I said, like, Frank, that was eight months ago. That was the first service we've, we ever had. What you're telling me, Frank, is you haven't been to church since January. Frank, get your butt to church. He never came, but I felt good about what I said. That, that, that was an incredible year, 2019, because we grew. We had two services. Then we had three services. And then, and then 2020 came. We had four, we had four services. In the, we were rocking. We were rolling. Everything was going great. But then 2020 happened. And when 2020 happened, we had two main problems. Problem number one was our lease at the liquor store was going to be over in a year. And I stood in front of the, 
congregation, and some of you might remember this, and I said, it's highly possible that we're going to have to go back to an online service only because we can't find a place to meet. And then this place came available. And I was like, that's awesome. Because I prayed, I sat in that parking lot, I prayed over that place right there. And we found out how much it was going to cost to get in here, about $1.8, $1.9 million to kind of upfit everything. And we had a half a million dollars saved. And I knew we could raise another half a million because we did a campaign going, we need to raise another half a million or something like that. And so I knew we could do it. And we were about $750,000, $850,000 short. And I was like, that's not a problem. We'll go to the bank. Banks are, bank, they're printing money. They're giving out money. Everything's great. And I go, I, I, after about my fifth bank, I got told no so many times. I thought I was back in middle school at the skating rink. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, hey, couple skate. Yeah, no, okay, I'm just going to go sit down. The last, the last banker I went to, I thought it, I thought it was done because he, he literally... He essentially said to me, there's no way our bank's going to touch you. After what you did at your last church, how do we know you're not going to do that or even something worse at this church? He said, nobody's going to loan you money. You talk about shame and guilt. I felt bad. And then God brought a gentleman into my life that didn't even go to church. Not, not only did he not go to this church, he just didn't go to church. He found out about our situation. He said, you got a half a million? I said, yeah. He said, you can raise a half a million by December? I said, yeah. He said, I'll cover the rest and you just pay me back when you can. Here's the other funny thing about it. Never signed the contract. Shook hands. Tell me God won't do it. Tell me that God won't move. Which was awesome. But the other thing that happened in 2020 <laughs> was the COVID. They picked the scariest image in the world to represent COVID. The only thing that would make that scarier is if there were a clown face on it. I, I would have never left my house. Y'all remember we were, we were Lysol and everything. We were saran wrapping ourselves to go to the grocery store. And, and they told us all this. We were, we were insane because we didn't know. And we shut down. We missed Easter that year. We did Easter online. Because churches had now, now strip clubs could stay open. Whew, I had to go back and do it again. I would have put a pole on the stage. <laughs> Told Philip, you got to take one for the team, buddy. Let's go. That's a way to not grow a church. Anyway, so COVID. <laughs> COVID had everybody freaked out. But here's what's crazy. During COVID, when we weren't meeting at all for 12 weeks, not only did our offerings not decrease, they increased, and we were able to raise the other half a million. And then in March of last year, we got to move into this location. And opening Sunday was absolutely amazing. The reason I say all that is not to brag on me, because I was the one that was questioning and doubting and fighting the whole time. The reason I'm sharing that with you is to remind you, God has been faithful to this church. And if God has been faithful to this church, which is brick and mortar, how much more so does he want to be faithful to those who are created in his image? That means you. That means no matter how bad it is right now, look at the past, at the faithfulness of God, and get ready because God's getting ready to bring you out of where you are into something that will blow your mind. So three, three quick things and I'm done. Three quick things and I'm done. Some of you are like, there's no way it gets through three things in 10 minutes. You're right. Okay, three things. Three, number one, I want three things I want for this church. I want this to be a place of healing. That's what I want this place to be. Don't all churches want that? No, 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 they don't. I'm not, crack, I, listen, I'm responsible for this church. That's it. But let me use this as an illustration. Now, just so you know, I picked the illustrations. And I'm going to talk about this again because I can. Talk about my toothache. 
How many of you have ever had a legitimate toothache? So bad, so bad, that if God told you, I'll take you out with lightning right now, you would have signed up on the spot. Okay, yeah, yeah, so you know the pain I was in. I woke up one morning, a little Shannon was like, how you doing? I was like, how's this little thing, my hurt thing, I think I'm okay. If you, when, 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 I, when I finally was in the floor, in the kitchen, in the fetal position, I was like, this isn't normal. <laughs> so I called my dentist. Got on the phone, called my dentist. I was like, hey, um, I'm in pain. That's what I told the lady when she answered. She's like, Can I? I was like, I'm in pain. I said, I hurt so bad. I said, I don't care what it costs. I'll donate a kidney. Y'all can sell it on eBay. I don't care. I, I got to see the dentist because I'm hurting. You know what she told me? She said, I'm sorry, sir. We don't see hurting people here. We only see people that brush and floss regularly and have perfect teeth. Of course she didn't say that. She said, come on in. <laughs> but that's the approach that a lot of churches take. Oh, you're hurting? <sighs> I'm sorry. We're looking for put-together people. We're looking, for, we're, we're looking for the people that have it all together. But I'm, I'm telling y'all right now, I want this to be a place where people receive healing. And I've said it a thousand times, I'll say it again. You can't get healed until you're willing to get real. That was my problem. How you doing? I got some issues. How you doing? I'm kind of wrestling with some stuff. I should have said, I'm drinking a Yeti of gin every night. That's a little bit more specific. Were you really drinking a Yeti of gin? No, no, it wasn't. I was drinking too. And that's the truth. I had a problem. I went to rehab. I'm good. My name's Perry. Thank you. There was one person. Everybody else was like, what are you talking about? With your perfect teeth. All right, so James, the brother of Jesus, said, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. There are people in this room that have been forgiven, but you've never been healed. And you've never been healed because you're not willing to admit what your problem really is. And I understand why. Because if you admit what you're struggling with, you get kicked out of most churches. We're not going to kick you out. See, the, the problem isn't that you're struggling with something. Because if you're struggling with something, that means you don't want to do this. The problem is when you don't struggle with it anymore and you just do it. That's where the problem is. So I want this to be a place where we can get healed. And when I say get healed, I mean, I'm talking about get healed spiritually, get healed physically. I want this to be a place where we get healed of church hurt. Now, I love it when people come up and I've been hurt by the church. I'm like, you want to compare stories? Because mine's on Google. But yours isn't on Google. I know what it's like to get hurt by the church. But church hurt is not a reason to punt on the church or Jesus. It's not. When people get mad, they go, well, people with the church are inconsistent. Well, so are you. So am I. We are the only organization in the world that celebrates the fact that we're all in a process and we're not there yet. And to punt on Jesus because somebody treated you bad is actually self-righteous and a dangerous place to stand in front of a holy God. So I want this to be a place where people can get real. This is, this is who I am. This is what I'm struggling with. Number two, I want this to be a place where it is all about we, not me. Okay, I didn't even get an amen on that one. So let me, we're going to talk, talk through this for just a second. Um, tell you all a few things about me. Number one, I'm an introvert. Now, that's hard for people to believe. Because, like, you get on stage, and you're all animated, and Philip kind of imitated me the other week, and I move, and all this stuff. I work for 20 to 30 hours on this message every week. You can ask Shannon. I'll, I'll go home. Sometimes I don't even look at our dogs. I'm just like, I'm, I'm, I'm just phased. I'm just zoned out. I'm introvert. You need to come to my house. We're throwing a party. I don't want to come to your party. You don't want me at your party. 
because I'm not going to sit in front of the crowd and tell jokes or, or recite Bible verses. You know what I do when I go to parties? I go to the edge of the crowd and I sit and I watch people because I need sermon illustrations. what I do. I, 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 I don't want this church to be about me. I want it to be about we. Now, here's the reason I say that. We've had, and I, you got to address this from time to time, and it's slightly uncomfortable for me, so, but just kind of work with me through it. We had a, we've had people recently saying, I need Pastor P to pray for me. And we're like, we'd love to get you with our care. No, 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 it can't be them. It's got to be Pastor P. That ain't right. First of all, it's insulting to people that are on our care team. Second of all, you, like you don't want, listen, if you need to be healed, you don't want me to pray for you. The last, I'm not making this up, the last five people that I have prayed for God to heal them died. They're dead. They are no longer with us. That God, God was like, oh, Perry, just take them. Just take them. You don't want me... I, I pray for one guy to get free from his addiction. Right now, he's in rehab. Like, you don't want me praying for you, okay? The reason I say that is because there are some people in this room, you don't realize this about you yet, but you are blessed, you are called, you are equipped, you are empowered, and God can do infinitely more through us than he can through me. You don't, need, you don't want to see me for counseling, but we got people that can do it. I, this is what the Bible tells me my job is, according to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 12. Now, now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Now, the reason I say that is because when we were in the liquor store, I was walking around one day. Um, talking to people and kind of being nice. And this one guy came up to me and he goes, ah, how's it feel to eat some humble pie? I said, I said, beg your pardon? He goes, you can't hang out in your little green room and you ain't got your entourage with you anymore. He said, now you're going to have to go to some hospitals and you're going to have to visit some people and you're going to have to do some real pastoring. And um, I'm not as saved as I wish I was. <laughs> but lucky for him, I walked away. And I went, I didn't have a green room, I had a closet. And I sat in that closet and I shook and I shook and I shook. But you know what? God set me free because of that conversation. Because you know what? When, when the pastor has to do everything, you know what that pastor is in the church? He's an idol. And I don't want to be anybody's idol because I've learned what happens when religious people place you as an idol and then you can't meet their unrealistic expectations. This church is not about me. It's about we. A church is not effective when the pastor takes care of the people. The church is effective when the body ministers to the body. That's what we're going to be about. Last but not least, I want this to be a place of celebration. I mean, so, like happy, like excited about going to church, something I was not as a child. And I, lo I, love, I love this church. And when I say I, I literally get excited about showing up, I'm excited about showing up every week. This is not an act. I'm, I pull in the parking lot of this church, I look at the name, and I thank God every single week that he's allowed me to, be, to just play a part in this. It is an honor and a privilege to serve as, as, as your pastor. It, it blows my mind, and I want this to be a place of celebration. And when I say celebration, we celebrate everything. Last week, I was in the first-timers area, and a, and a lady came back after one of the services, and she, she, it was so powerful because she, she was standing there with her husband, and they're, they're kind of standing there, and she's kind of crying, and I'm nervous because when people start crying, I don't know why they're crying. I get nervous, and so I'm nervous. And then, but I found out why she was crying. She said, <laughs> she said I'm, I'm two months clean today. And I couldn't stop crying. I just started crying with her. Two months clean. I'm going to sell it. Now, 
some churches would be like, oh, come back when you've been a year clean. I'll break my foot off up in you. Like, I, uh-uh, two, two, we're going to celebrate two months. Today I met with a lady who lost her son in a car wreck two weeks ago, 16 years old. She comes in there and she tells me, she said, I am mad at God. And I, I got a 15-year-old daughter. I can't even begin to understand her pain. I leaned into her and I just told her, I said, listen, whenever you're mad at God, you just tell him you're mad at him because he can take it. But then right after you tell him you're mad at him, ask him to heal your heart. Be honest, but ask him to heal your heart. I said, I don't know when he's going to do it, but he's going to do it. And this lady, before she walked out of that room, actually had a smile on her face. That's the kind of place I want this place to be. Right? I, I, texted, I texted a bunch of people yesterday. I was like, hey, I love you and thank you so much. And I had one of my friends text me back. He said, man, thank you. If it wasn't for second chance, I wouldn't be in church. I texted him back. I said, if it wasn't for second chance, I wouldn't be in church either. So I'm, I celebrate. I love when scripture says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I want this to be our church verse. I want us to be glad when we get to show up. We don't have to go to church. We get to go to church, and we know that Jesus is going to do something significant in people's lives. We're going to see Jesus change lives in this place every single time we meet together because that's who he is. That's what he does. He is faithful. He has never failed to meet us when we've gathered together. And he wants to do something powerful in you. You know how I know? Because he took this, this is this building, an empty shell, and he turned it into this. Oh. If he can take this and turn it into this, and as I said earlier, it's brick and mortar. Think about the work he wants to do in your life. Jesus didn't die on the cross to change buildings. He died on the cross to change people. So if you're stuck tonight, you feel abandoned, you feel forgotten, I just want you to pause for a second. And focus on the fact that God has been faithful to this church. God has been faithful to you. And because he has been, he always will be. So Jesus, as we take these next few moments and we just pause to reflect on how good you are and how good you have been. May we celebrate the fact, Jesus, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Fill us, God, with hope, joy, your spirit. And over these next few moments, may we celebrate the change that you've brought about. We ask this in your name. Amen. Is anybody faithful tonight that God is a good God? Father, I want to thank you tonight for how great that you are. Father, I want to pray for everybody in this room watching online that feels spiritually stuck. God, that we would right now, right now with heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want you to think about how good he's been. Think about that breakthrough. Think about that time he came through. Think about that blessing. That's not it. He's got more in store. If you're here tonight and maybe you don't know Christ, maybe God brought you here tonight so that you could pray and meet Christ. You could ask Jesus to come into your life. 
If you know that's your next step because you just saw testimonies of people that have been saved and you're like, that's what I need, I want to invite you tonight. We're going to pray a prayer together. I want, to, I want to invite you to pray this prayer and ask Jesus to come in your life. Now, we started this last week, and we're going to continue it. We're going to pray. Everybody in the room is going to pray this prayer out loud. So you can pray this prayer out loud, and you're not going to be the only one. We're going to pray this with you. But if you need to pray and receive Christ tonight, I want you to pray it. And everybody's praying it with you. I want you to pray it. I want you to mean it. I want you to ask Jesus to come in your life. So everybody in this room, and if you need Christ, you pray this out loud too. Just say, Jesus Christ. I know that I'm a sinner. And I need you as my Savior. I believe you died on the cross. And rose from the grave. To pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. And be my Lord. In Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed, heads bowed and eyes closed right now all over the room. If you just prayed that prayer and asked Christ to come in your life, do me a favor because I want to pray for you. I want you to hold your hand up and hold it up really high. Just hold it up in the air. Hold it straight up because I want to pray for you. Jesus has saved people all day. Thank you so much. Amen. Anybody else? Anybody else? Father, I want to thank you for these hands that are in the air. God, I want to thank you that you save people all day today. I want to thank you, Jesus, that they were here tonight for one reason, to meet you. I pray that when they walk out of this place, they would know that they have been made brand new and they would completely, totally follow you the best they know how. Father, I pray for every single person in this room. God, that as we leave tonight, no matter where we are in our journey, that we would know that you are good. We would know that you are faithful. We would know that you always have been good. And we will, all, we will know that you always will be. Jesus, in you, thank you that you died on a cross and you rose from the grave to give us hope and a future. That in you, it's never done. In you, there's always hope. In you, the best is always yet to come. Everybody that agreed with this prayer said amen and amen. Are you glad you came to church tonight? Hey, don't miss next week, part three. It's going to be amazing. Y'all have a great week, and we'll see y'all back here next Sunday.